awesome. I'm pretty sure there's leftover steak for those who want to be first in, first served at the end of this. How are you all doing today? Are you doing well? Yeah. Yes? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Last week we started a, uh, a new series. A big shout out to all those watching online too. And uh, we started a new series called Who Do You Think You Are? Has anybody ever had somebody say to you, in the midst of a situation, who do you think you are? Put your hand up if you've ever had somebody say that to you. And um, I think it's something that we've all had said to us at some stage or another. Last week we talked about that we are Christ's ambassadors and what that really means. But um, I think all of us have had those times where people have said, who do you think you are? In fact, I think all of us have had those times where even the enemy, the devil, has said, who do you think you are? when you've started praying for things or believing for things, I think that we have all at times felt like we're not good enough. We've all at times felt like we don't measure up. And I could go on and on and on about the things that we feel at times about who we are and, and what we think about ourselves. All of us, I think at some stage in life, have all faced rejection of some kind, um, or we didn't achieve what it is that we set out to achieve or you thought you could do more than what you actually did and you're disappointed in yourself and you feel inadequate and, and you think there must be something wrong with me because everybody else's life is going great and mine's not going great, so there must be something wrong with me and I must be inadequate. And can I say to you this morning that there is something wrong with you. Without Christ, there is something wrong with you. Ephesians 2 says this, he says, but our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, but just like everyone else, but God is so rich in mercy and that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave his life when he raised Christ from the dead. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. You see, without Christ, there is something wrong with you. Without Christ, there's a big problem for you. Without Christ, you aren't enough. Without Christ, you are inadequate. Without Christ, there is something wrong with you. But here's the good news, according to Ephesians, that God changed everything in that moment when He gave Jesus Christ, His Son, to die on the cross for our sins. God changed everything. God made an opportunity for what is wrong for us to be made right. That all those inadequacies, all those things that we thought were failings, God fixed it all when He sent His Son to die on the cross. And so when somebody says to you, who do you think you are? You can say, well, I'm Christ's ambassador. And the other thing that I am is I am Christ's masterpiece. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says this, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. In other words, you didn't do anything. You didn't save yourself. You can't take credit for the person that you've become if you've been a Christian for a long time and you're almost perfect. You can't take credit for that. It was a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. In other words, so none of us can go around saying, well, it's because I've done all this great stuff. That's why I am who I am. No, no. According to Scripture, it's got nothing to do with everything that you've done. For we are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Who do you think you are? You are Christ's masterpiece. You are a masterpiece of God. And you're not a masterpiece of some artist. You're a masterpiece of God Himself. You are the perfect workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. You see, here's the thing. A Van Gogh is worth all the money it is because Van Gogh signed it. You and I could go and get a Van Gogh and we could copy it absolutely perfectly and I could put my name on it, Craig Jordan, and take it to Sotheby's to be auctioned and we might get a hundred bucks for it because my signature is on it. But if I take the same painting with Van Gogh's uh, signature on it, it's worth millions and millions of dollars because it's not about the painting, it's about the artist that makes it valuable. And what you have to understand is that you are Christ's masterpiece and the value is not in who you are, but the value is in who's the artist that made you. You are valuable because the artist, God Himself, created you, made you, developed you, called you, gave you the gifts and the talents and everything that you have, it's because you carry His signature that makes you of great value. So anybody that says to you, you're nothing, you're a nobody, you're insignificant, you're not of any worth, friend, I'm here to tell you, yes, you are, because you carry the signature of God Himself. But every single person created does. There's no one of no value. Even the homeless are of value because they're created in the image of the artist, God himself. Without God, you can't be that masterpiece. With God, you are that masterpiece. Are you with me today? You should be excited about this. (laughs) He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. A new, all the old is gone, the new has come. Why did he do that? So that we can do the good things he planned for us to do. Now, I need to say this because some of you might get confused. You are not saved by your good works. You you are not saved by your works, but you are saved for works. You are not saved because you do the right thing. You are saved because Christ shed His blood on the cross for you and I. But once we receive His forgiveness, then we are to do the good things that He created us to do. And if we're not doing the good things that He created us to do, then you need to look yourself in the mirror and give yourself a spiritual uppercut. Because He's created you as a masterpiece, but then to go and do the things that He has called you to do. It's not optional. It's not, do I get to opt into this or opt out of this? No, no. You are not saved from your works, but you are saved for works. And so we can't sit back and be spectators. We must participate in the thing that God has called us to do. Because if you are in Christ, It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. 
Because the Bible says that you have been made new. The old has passed away. You have been remade. You are a masterpiece of God, but you're not just a masterpiece like a painting that goes on the wall for everybody to go, wow, look at that. Although if I'm really honest with you, I go into some art studios and I, or into the museum or whatever it is, art gallery, and I look at some stuff and I go, what? I remember when I was young, I was about, I don't know, 12 years of age, we were living in Wellington, and we went to the art gallery in Wellington, and there was a piece of corrugated iron that just had drips of different colours of paint running down it, and it was on display as one of the most significant pieces of art in the art gallery. I was like, man, I could do that. That's not art. That's a piece of corrugated iron with someone spilt some paint on. It's weird what people think is amazing. But you're not a piece of corrugated iron with somebody spilt some paint on. You've been created in the image and the likeness of God himself. You are a masterpiece. But not to go on the wall and for everybody to go, oh, wow, look at that. You're created for the master's purpose. You're created for the purposes of the master. The, the, the word masterpiece in the Greek is the Greek word, I'm going to get this wrong, but we'll go for it, poema. And that word poema can be translated as poem. It's where we get the word poem from. And when I looked at some of the commentaries and around this word, this is one statement that one of the commentators, a theologian said, it said, that this scripture is basically saying is that you are a poetic statement of the glory of God. That as a masterpiece, you are a poetic statement of the glory and the majesty of God. You are not God, but you are a reflection of Him. You are a poetic statement of His glory. You are not a nobody, you are not insignificant. You are not inadequate. You're a poetic statement of the glory of God. You are a masterpiece, a perfect work of God himself. And as God's masterpiece, you're actually created for the master's purpose. Listen to this Psalm 139 says this, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them had come to be. You are a masterpiece created for the master's purpose. And God in all of his wisdom decided that in all of time, in all of history, in all of future of what has been and what is to come, he decided that the right perfect moment for you to be born and for you to have your impact is right here, right now, in this time of history. You are the right person in the right place at the right time. And he decided that this moment in, his, this moment in time was a time that you could serve him the best. 
There is no better time for you to be born with your gifts, your talents, your skills, your personality, your makeup. This was a time in history right now that you could serve the master and bring him the glory he deserves. But there's so many people, and I would suggest even in this room, there's so many of you, that when I start talking about who you are and that you're a masterpiece, your response is automatically, well, I'm not. I'm not a masterpiece. You, you don't understand. You, if you knew what I'd done, if you knew what I'd gone through, if you knew what I experienced, you'd understand that I'm not a masterpiece and I have no purpose. Here's the thing. When you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you abuse the thing. When you don't know the purpose of a thing, you abuse the thing. When I was um, younger, um, I was about probably 11 years of age, and I think my brother was 14. And, and like most brothers, we, we love to play a little bit of cricket in the backyard. Anybody? I'm all alone, okay. Uh, in the backyard, broke the garage window a couple of times. Can I get an amen? And um, we're playing in, in, in the backyard, and, um, and that time my, my brother had invited his friend Rodney over, and so there's Rodney, me and my brother Bryce playing cricket in the backyard. But Rodney's mum had to go out and do something, so Rodney's sister Sarah, who was about five, um, decided to get dropped off at our place to just be watched for half an hour because she was a solo mum. Um, and, and, and my mum said, yeah, drop her off and, and the boys can look after her in the backyard while we're playing cricket. And you know, five-year-olds trying to play cricket with you in the backyard when you're 11 and 14, is it, it's kind of annoying, yeah? Um, but we, we used to play with a real cricket ball, not a tennis ball, not, not one of these soft ones, a real one because we were real men back then. And, and we, we had to go out in the past and buy this thing called a box. Does anybody know what a box is? A box is a plastic thing that you put down your pants to protect this area from the ball hitting you there and possibly killing and paralyzing you. And so we would wear that because I had been hit a couple of times by my brother in that particular area and it's particularly painful, and so we had a box. And anyway, um, I had been batting, and then we decided that we would get a drink, and so I took the box out, left it on the ground with the cricket bat as we went to get a drink, but not inside, because you just drink out of the hose in the, in the garden, yeah? That's what, that's what we did back when, when kids could play without all this rubbish. And, and I turn around, and Sarah picks up the box and she says, oh, it's an oxygen mask. And she puts it on her face. The box that had just been in a particular part of my anatomy was now on her face and she thought it was an oxygen mask. See, the thing is, is this, the moral of the story is this, is that when you don't know the purpose of a thing, you abuse the thing. You misuse the thing. 
When you don't understand the purpose of the thing, you misuse it. And so many people don't understand that they're masterpieces, that they're ambassadors, that they're created in the image of God. And because they don't know their purpose and they don't know who they are, they misuse this life in a way that God never intended it. And they hit the drugs and they hit the alcohol and they hit all sorts of things because when you don't understand your purpose, you'll abuse the thing. When you don't understand your purpose, you'll abuse it. And what happens is instead of living a life of being a masterpiece, you live a life of experimentation. And we start experimenting and we start doing things like, well, I don't really know what my what my purpose is. So maybe it's this job. Maybe this job will fulfill me. Maybe this career will fulfill me. Oh, no, that one didn't work. Maybe this one will fulfill me. Or, or, or maybe this girl, she'll fulfill me. Or maybe he'll fulfill me. Oh, no, they didn't work. Maybe this guy over here will fulfill me. Or that girl over there will fulfill me because the one that I just had wasn't doing it for me. Maybe, 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 this is the right thing or that is the right thing. And so what we do is we end up living a life where we're just experimenting. I'll try this and I'll try that. Maybe it's travel. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And we're, trying, we're experimenting with our lives because we don't understand our purpose. And when you don't understand your purpose, you'll abuse your life. And you'll try all sorts of things and you'll experiment with all sorts of stuff. And here's the deal. When you don't know the purpose of something, Don't ask the thing. Sarah could have picked up that box and gone, what's your purpose? It wouldn't have responded to her. It wouldn't have told her what its purpose was. You see, the big problem I see in society today is, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to go and discover myself. Discover me. No, no, no. No, no, you can't ask the thing what the purpose is. You have to ask the inventor of the thing what the purpose is. You have to ask the one who created the thing what the thing is meant to do. And our problem is we go off on this journey and, well, I've got my feelings and I've got my truths and I've got, I'm just discovering myself and I'm just taking time out to discover who I am. No, 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 no. You can't discover who you are outside of what made you when you, when you want to know what it is. I don't know about you, but my kids would come home sometimes from school and they'll go, look at my picture. Do you know what it is? And parents, when you get asked that question, it's, it's that moment where you're like, I have no idea what that is. And so you start to guess, oh, look, it looks like people. No, it's not people. No, no, I didn't think it was people. Because we've got no idea what the picture is. Because it just looks like a mess of colour. But if you ask the kid, what is it? They'll go, it's you, me and dad at the park. It doesn't look like that. It looks like something the dog vomited up, but somehow (laughs) it's a picture of the family at the park. You can't work out what your purpose is outside of the one who created you. It's impossible. Just like I couldn't work out what that picture was that one of my kids brought home without asking the one who painted it. You're a masterpiece for the master's purpose. 
And if you don't know what your purpose is, you need to ask the one who made you, not try and work it out for yourself. You are a masterpiece of God, and you need to seek him and ask him. You exist not to accumulate more things in this slice of eternity. You exist to bring glory to God. And we all do it in our own specific way that God designed us to do it. As God's masterpiece, you were created for the master's purpose. And here's the cool thing. You have everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. Oh, if I just have this and I just had that, if I could just do more, if I could just do... No, no, no. Second Peter 1.3 says, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, for our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. In other words, the Bible is saying this, is that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That God has placed inside of you everything that you need for life and godliness, everything that you need to do what it is that he called you to do. I, I, I think of the story of Moses when, when God called him to deliver the Israel out of Egypt. And, and he had all sorts of reasons why he couldn't. Moses didn't believe that he was a good enough masterpiece to do it. He said things like, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not good enough to get this done. And, and, and what was God's response? Was it, Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Moses. Yeah, I forgot. I mean, you're obviously an idiot. Um, you actually can't speak properly and you have a stutter. What was I thinking? You're obviously not good enough. Is that what God said to Moses? No, God said to Moses, he didn't even respond to Moses when Moses said, but I can't speak and I can't do this and I can't do that. God said to him this, who created your mouth? You see, the creator is telling the creation what it's created for. Moses is trying to tell the creator that I'm not created for that. And we do that in our lives. Hey, I want you to, no, I can't do that. I, I, I can't do it. You can't tell the creator what the creation can and can't do. Because he created you for a specific purpose. Are you with me? And when God calls you, he'll give you everything you need to do everything that he wants you to do. The problem for most of us is we tend to have what I call masterpiece envy. I could do that. If I had what she had. I could do that if I had what he had. I could do that, but I don't have this. And if I had that, then I could do that. And what we do is we look around at other people and what we're doing is we're seeing what they're created for, but in the process of seeing what they're created for, we don't realise what we're created for. And we don't realize what we can do. And we have to understand that God has given you everything you need to do what he wants you to do. And he doesn't want you to do what Anna does. And he doesn't want you to do 
what Lance does, and he doesn't want you to do what Matthias does. It's not what God has called you to do. Don't have masterpiece envy and think, well, I could do something for God if I was like them. Because that's not how it works. You know, you might find this surprising, but I wasn't created to sing. Even though in the shower, I sound spectacular. I'm pretty sure. I remember, I remember Ify saying to me once, she goes, your voice is at a pinch we might be able to use you. At a pinch. I'm at, at a pinch stage. I've been able to sing. I wasn't created to sing. I wasn't created to paint. We have to stop looking around at what we cannot do and start seeing what it is that we can do. And we have to stop and say to ourselves, hold on a sec, I am a masterpiece created by God for the master's purpose. I may not be able to sing and I may not be able to paint, but I can build or I can write or I can. What is it that the master created the masterpiece for? What did he create you to do? Not what he created somebody else to do. What did he create you to do? Don't be looking at others and going, I wish I was beautiful like her. I wish I was handsome like Craig. I wish I was talented like he is. Don't do that. Don't compare masterpieces. Look at who God created you to be. Realize that you are a masterpiece of God. You have been, according to Ephesians, you've been made new. All the old things have gone. You're a new creation in Christ and a new creation has new purposes. You are a masterpiece of God and you have everything that you need to do everything that you need to do. You have it. He's given it all to you. It's all there. And as masterpieces, God will use every part of your life to bring about his purpose. He uses everything in your life to bring about his purpose. We need to remember that he's the potter and we're the clay and he molds us and he shapes us and he turns us into this masterpiece for his purposes. Romans 8, 28, famous scripture says, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let me ask you some questions this morning. Does all things include the good things? You can respond. That's what happens. You ask a question and then you answer it. Does all things include good things? Does all things include bad things? Does all things include the things that you're thankful for? Does all things include the things that you wish had never happened? Yes, all things, good, bad, ugly, whatever it looks like, all things work together. For everybody? No, not for everybody. It says for those who love God and accord according to His purposes. So when you aren't in relationship with Him, then all your good things, bad things, don't work together for your purposes. They tend to damage you. Because the problem is, is because you don't know the purpose, you're abusing the thing. But when you get in a line with the purpose, then he takes all the things and turns them to good. 
Are, are you with me today? If you are in Christ, you are a masterpiece created in the master's purpose. And when you realize that he's the potter and you're the clay and he's forming, using all those things to bring about the good to those who love him and accord according to his purpose. If you understand that, that'll give you incredible or tremendous confidence to step into his will knowing that sovereign God has got your back. It gives you incredible confidence when you understand the good, bad and the ugly. God uses it all when I'm in relationship with him. It gives you incredible confidence to step into the thing that he's called to do. And when the enemy says, oh, you can't do that because of your past. You go, no, 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 no. I'm in relationship with Jesus. And when I'm in relationship with Jesus, what you consider to be bad from the past, God turns to good for my future. Come on. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter where I've been. All things, all things work together for good for those who love God in relationship and accord according to his purpose, masterpiece for the master's purposes. You think of the story of Joseph and you know, he shares what I think is just, I think it was a spoilt little brat initially. I mean, if you understand the Jewish culture, incredibly ignorant and arrogant of him to get up there and say, hey, bros, all of you are going to bow down and worship me one day. And then mum and dad, you guys are going to do it too, because I'm the man. And we know what happens to Joseph. He gets sold by his brothers into slavery and thrown into a pit. And he ends up at Potiphar's house and, 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 his, and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and he refuses to sleep with her, but then she accuses him of it anyway and he ends up in prison and he's in the prison and he's working in the prison and he's running the prison and the prisons weren't like our prisons. There was rats and pee and poo and everything everywhere, right? And, and, and it wasn't very nice and then, then he interprets a couple of dreams with some guy and, and everyone forgets about him and then all of a sudden they remember him and, and, and he's able to answer a, a vision or a dream that Pharaoh had and then all of a sudden he goes from the prison to the palace and he becomes second in charge of all of Europe. He has Pharaoh's ring on his finger. He is basically the man now. He's actually become what he had a vision of himself being all those years ago. His brothers rock up because there's famine and they're starving. And he turns around and says to them, one of the greatest lines you'll ever read in the Bible, what you meant for evil God used for good. If anybody's life is Romans 8.28, it's Joseph. Because Joseph understood that he have, if he hadn't gone through the pit and the prison and all those experiences and all that stuff that God took him through, he would never would have found himself in the palace. You've got to go through some stuff. Joseph understood that God took all of that and it shaped him. He couldn't do what he did that day had God not taken him through the preparation for him. God used it for good. And some of you right now might be going through stuff where you're like, man, I wish this wasn't happening right now. This is incredibly painful. You don't understand what I'm going through. I, I wish things were different for me. I want you to understand something as you think all that stuff and say all that stuff about your life, understand this, 
that if you are in Christ, if you love Him, if you're living for His purpose, He's going to work all of that stuff to bring about good in your life because that's how good God is. He doesn't let our faults and our failings and our mistakes and our bad choices punish us. He lets them be good to us when we put our lives in alignment with Him. Don't live with regret. Don't, don't regret the seasons of your life. Oh, I wish that didn't happen. I wish that the mistakes, the failures, the sin, the wrong, because if you regret it, you'll never let God use it to make you into the masterpiece that you are today. You are who you are today because you're the things that you've gone through. One of the hardest seasons in our life, I think, for Trinity and I was when she was really, really sick and, and um. It was just a really, really difficult time for about six months. And I think we got to the stage where we had a massive argument one night and she told me that she wanted me to leave and I told her that I wanted to leave. I was done. I was, I was, I'd had enough. I'm out of here. Uh, and I've shared this story before that I, I hate to admit it, but the only thing that kept me in the marriage was not God and it wasn't Trinity. It was fear of what my dad would say to me. But I look back at that time and I praise God for it because we have the relationship we have today because we went through that. We wouldn't have the marriage we have today if we didn't have that. And now in hindsight, I can look back and go, all things work together for good. But when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to see it. And maybe... You just need to say, God, can you open my eyes? Because God will use everything you're going through to make you into the masterpiece you are today. And I pray with everything within me that you would know who you are, that you would know that you're good enough, that you know with Christ you are a masterpiece of God. You are a poetic statement of the glory of God. And some of you right now, even though you've heard all of this, you're like, but I, I don't really like myself and I don't really like whom I am becoming. Can I say this to you today? If you don't like yourself, let God remake you. Let God remake you. Can I get Maddie up on the keys? That'd be great. Let God remake you. He is the potter. You are the clay. And if you don't like yourself, let God remake you. We forget that he's a potter. We forget that we're the clay. We forget God is a potter making us through Christ into this masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he's called us to do, which he prepared in advance for us. We, we forget that he's the potter and that we're clay. If you don't like yourself, let them remake you. What am I talking about? Jeremiah 18, 3 says this. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the potter's wheel. He was using his hands to make a pot from clay, but something went wrong with it. Something went wrong with what he was making. Maybe you're here today and you'll say, I had a dream to be in such and such a place in life, but something went wrong with my dream. I hope to be in this position financially by this time in my life, but something went wrong with my hope. 
I, I, I thought by now I'd be married, but something went wrong with my plan. And as you look at your life, I know that God has all these things intended for me, but something went wrong along the way. Here's the master potter with the clay and something went wrong with it. What, what, what do you do when you realise something has gone wrong? Something has gone wrong with my life. Something has gone wrong. Something is not going in the direction that it is. Well, we let God remake our lives because He's the potter. You're the clay. And what Jeremiah goes on to say in verse 4b of 18, he says, so the potter used that clay, not new clay, that clay where something went wrong, he used that clay to make another pot the way that he wanted it to be. Here's the thing, if your life is not going in the direction you want it to, if you don't like yourself, it's okay. When something goes wrong, the potter doesn't find another piece of clay. He doesn't find another person to do what he's called you to do. What he does is he takes that clay and he remakes it into the thing that he intended it to be. And that's what he can do for you. That's what he can do for your marriage. That's what he can do for your life. He can take where it's gone wrong. It's okay. It's okay. I'm a potter. I'm good at this. And he puts a bit more water on it. He puts a bit more of the Word of God on it. He gets a little bit more of the Holy Ghost upon it. He has the Spirit of God moving in it. And He starts to reshape it, remould it and remake it into what He intended. It doesn't matter if something goes wrong. He's the potter. He can just use that clay and remake that into what He wanted it to be. If you don't like your life, let God remake it. Because you are His masterpiece when you're in relationship with Him. He's not going to leave you broken. He's not going to leave you dented. He's not going to leave you cracked. He'll just go, it's okay, it's all right. I got this. We'll just remake it. And there are some people here today where you're like, man, I think I need God to remake me. And here's the problem in this moment right here, right now, as you're thinking about that, you're, you got a sense of shame. you got a sense of there's something wrong with me. I was just talking to somebody this week who was going through something and they said to me, am I like the only person that's going through this? That's such a biggest lie of the enemy. Nobody else has problems, just you. Nobody else's marriage is having problems, just your marriage. Everybody else's marriage is like rainbows and sprinkles. Everybody else's financial position is amazing. It's just you. You're the only person who doesn't have any friends. Everybody else has friends, but not you. You're the only one whose kids are going off the rails. Everybody else's kids are perfect angels in the sight of the Lord. You're the only one that has a drinking problem. Nobody else has that drinking problem. It's just a lie. And you need to stop looking at it and go, there's something wrong with me to go, hey, something went wrong. Remake me. 
here I am. I'm clay. You're the potter. Something went wrong. Remake me. And the potter will go, be my pleasure. It will be my pleasure to take the clay that went wrong and remake it into what is right. There is no failure in the kingdom other than when we take ourselves off the potter's wheel and don't allow him to shape us anymore. And if you're here today and you're like, man, something has gone wrong. I feel that God wants to remake some people today. So why don't we stand to our feet? Why don't we close our eyes just for a moment? As very shortly, I'm going to ask you to do something that's probably quite difficult for some of you. But I really believe that the Spirit of God is here, the presence of God is here, because He wants to remake some people this morning. And I'd love the privilege of being able to pray with you and believe with you that as we are on the potter's wheel, that God's like, hey, I got this. And He starts reforming and remaking. And all that shame and all those regrets and all that stuff from your past that you're worried about actually just get knitted in and woven in to this incredible masterpiece that God creates. Some of you here today need to say, whoa, man, I had got off the wheel and, I, and I've tried to shape my own life rather than letting the Creator shape the creation. And, and I, I just need to get back onto the wheel today. I, I need to let God come and do that. We're gonna, I'm gonna get all the singers and the band back up on the stage and we're gonna sing shortly and I want you to do this. I want you, if you're that person, if you're not that person, because there's a bunch of, he- of us here like this. This is what the enemy will tell you right now, that if you respond to this, you'll be the only person And what we do is that we have these opportunities in God for God to come and do something miraculous in our lives. And a lot of us stay in our seats. And here's the problem with that. Sometimes you've got to get out of your seat for a change to come about. Sometimes you've got to do something in the natural to bring about a change in the spiritual. And some of us, we need prayer because if we don't get prayer, we're not going to get through this. If we don't get prayer, nothing's going to change. And all we want to do is, this is not a place of judgment. If anybody judges you here for anything that's gone wrong in your life, just come and tell me. We'll take them out the back and we'll punch their lights out together. This is not a place of judgment. It's called God's mercy seat, not God's judgment seat. We're just here because we want to see God change people's lives. We want to see God transform your life. I want to see God, I want to see your life back on that wheel again and letting God just shape it to all that He created you to be, to be that masterpiece that serves the master's purposes. And there's nobody here that doesn't need God to shape us. But you might be here today and go, man, something's gone wrong and I need God to remake me. I got off the wheel, I need to get back on. I've been living with regret 
but I know that God turns everything for His good. And if that's you here this morning, as we sing, I want you to come up out of your seats to the front here and come all the way to the front. And we're going to get some people to come and pray for you. And we're going to believe that God's going to start doing a reshaping and a remaking in your life. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are here in this place. We thank you, God, that nothing is a write-off in your kingdom, that everything can be made new in Christ, that everything can be remade in Christ. I pray right now for every single person in this room, for every single person that's watching online in this moment, that the sense of God's purpose and plans for their lives would be so clear to them, that they would hear so clearly as they see themselves as a masterpiece, a poetic statement of the glory of God, that they'd sense the master's purpose flowing through them and out of them into every area of their lives. Thank you, God, that you didn't just save us, but you made us masterpieces, that you made us ambassadors, that you made us everything that we need to do, everything we need to be to do everything we need to do. Father, give us the strength, the courage, and the confidence to step into every area that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, we'd we'd love you to stick around and um, all the coffee is free today. So you can have coffee, hot chocolates. I think there's chocolate brownie. It's our tradition here to have chocolate brownie. People get excited about that. Maybe we could get as excited about Jesus as brownie. I don't know, just an idea. Um, But we'd love you to stick around, have a piece of brownie, grab yourself a coffee, get to know some people, talk to some people. Don't just walk out the door. Let's be family today. God bless you. We'll see you all next week.